0: Welcome to This Time in History, guys. I'm Matthew, and we're here for the Ward 14 Toronto Danforth debate. I am your host, Matthew, and with me as always is my partner in crime, my co-host, Ebony. Hey there. So uh, for my listeners, you guys know we've done these debates, so it's no different from the other ones. Each candidate's going to have a few minutes to introduce themselves, talk about a couple of their platform points. And then we'll get into three sets of questions, a debate period for each set and a closing statement by each candidate. And uh, so we'll start with James, you go ahead and then Wally, you can finish it up. James, go ahead. Hey,
1: my name is James Dyson. Um, I was born at East General, which is now Michael Garen Hospital. Uh, I've lived in and around the ward for the last 20 years. Um, I've worked blue collar jobs all my life. My first job was uh, at exhibition place cleaning services. I was uh, lugging garbage bags into the back of trailers. Um, I've operated a small business. I've worked for uh, public and private sector companies. Um, my main platform points uh, have to do with, um, a lot of it has to do with what's happened over the last two years and the devastation that has done uh, to children specifically. Uh, so my platform points are basically, I want to put kids first, first by uh, strengthening the resources that uh, gives kids and youth an equal opportunity to succeed, um, I want to clean up the streets. I want to, uh, you know, not just like, you know, in our ward, um, one of the main things that gets three one one call is tree pruning, and cadavers for wildlife. Um, it's kind of interesting that those are the only points, but hey, that's what the the people are calling about. So let's clean up the streets find a solution to homelessness something we can't just let them uh occupy our parks occupy the streets occupy everything it's just we got to find something because whatever city council has been working on it it, it, it's failed um i want to support small businesses i think it's an absolute failure that uh, they tasted the danforth did not go ahead uh despite the fact that uh, paula paula fletcher herself put forth. she know she said she had her uh, she rolled up her sleeves and she was gonna get it done but that didn't happen um, I want to build homes uh, we got a population in the ward has actually decreased um, and we got to reverse that and diversify housing options for everybody uh, more townhomes we got to increase uh, density along the subway line um, term limits uh, that's a big one for me we got to get some type of a term limit two or three term limits something because the incumbency advantages at in municipal politics is almost impossible to overcome. And uh, the last point I want to make is about getting tax relief. Uh, I don't you know we, everybody knows what's going on with the economy right now inflationary times you know we're printing money like crazy. Uh, that's not too much that's not something that the municipal government can really control but um, we can, find efficiencies in the, in the, in the budgets and uh, manage the resources that we have to return value uh, for the
2: services that we all pay for. So Thank you. That's good for me.
0: Thank you. Wally, go ahead.
2: Hi, everybody. My name is Wally Abro. Uh, I was born in Karachi, Pakistan. I came to Canada 10 years ago. I only just became a citizen this past winter and uh, I also moved to Toronto Uh, last year, so I'm pretty new here, however, I have had long-standing grievances with the way politics are held in this country. Um, Ever since uh, I've been here, we've been talking about electoral reform, we've been talking about getting rid of first-past-the-post, because everyone understood that it is completely fraudulent, that it is not democratic, there's no way we can actually say this is democracy and have first past the post or someone with 35% of the popular vote wins a majority government and can do whatever they want. This was best exemplified in the provincial elections in June where Doug Ford got 40% of the votes yet he got 67% of the seats. And considering that voter turnout was 45%, that means roughly 18% of people voted for him and he ended up with a supermajority. That's not democratic at all. And our politicians, our community leaders, even counselors allow this to, allow this fraud and the scam to play out and they don't take any steps towards enfranchising the people in everyday decision-making that affects them. Paula Fletcher in particular has voted against ranked ballots, despite one saying that she would support it and she's in favor of it but she keeps deferring it and on a very essential vote she voted no the only thing that she voted yes to was to ask the city clerk to produce a report on the feasibility of conducting uh a change in the voting system to rank ballots for the municipality Now, the other things that I really want to focus on, in addition to just having some semblance of democracy, is enfranchising people to actually be part of the political process. These two things actually go very hand in hand. However, when people are struggling to pay next month's rent and don't know where their next meal is coming from, don't even know where they might be sleeping sometimes, they cannot focus on things like that. entirely consumed with basic survival, yet those are the people who have been most let down by the system and they are least able to participate in it. The system that we do have is run by people who have benefited most. So that's those are the two big things I want to bring into this election uh, and into this campaign. We need to take care of people's basic needs, housing, for example, give them safe, Permanent safe housing that is dignified very important and ensure that all their basic needs are met so that they can actually focus on things like Recovering from the traumas of poverty. They can come back they can be nursed back to health. They can upgrade their skills. They can learn new skills, go to college, start a business and be contributing members of society because that's what most people want to be. But they've been so disillusioned that I don't blame them or fault them for resorting to drugs and checking out of life altogether. And poverty is the number one determinant of crime, of violence, and even racism. When people look at their situation today and how they're so much worse off than they were 20 years ago, they look around and say, you know what? I see a lot more melanin. That's the problem. It's these brown, black, Asian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, people who are coming in and they're the ones ruining everything because that's the only thing I can see that's different. So of course, we're going to get extremism. And of course, when you have a system that works for the top 0.1%, that works for the elites, the status quo, you're going to have disenfranchisement and you're going to have violence. So that's what I bring. And I hope uh, we can have a
0: fruitful discussion on those issues. Thank you so much. It's very enlightening, both of you. Okay, so we're gonna start with the first set of questions. We're gonna start with crime tonight. Uh, Ebony, you ask your question and then I'll ask mine. Go ahead.
3: Sure, I'm glad to hear what you both of you had to say about crime. And you know, I, I agree, poverty is a huge part of it so um i'm not really a fan of the police myself i would like to hear if you have any other ideas other than you know more police presence to um bring down crime in communities so um thinking outside the box anything goes let me know what you think we could do
0: and my question my question is uh wally you're gonna go first and james you're gonna finish it up if that's okay um my question uh because we're gonna uh they're gonna go together is uh, uh there's a there's a mayoral candidate right now who's who if he wins wants to reinstall carding as a tool for the toronto police to use how do you respond to this and why you can answer either her question or my question first it doesn't matter the order go ahead okay so to address poverty or to address crime
2: sorry um without having more policing as an option <laughs> Uh, this solution I propose is less policing, because when you have police constantly criminalizing poverty, because that's what they do. They uphold the laws and our laws criminalize poverty, criminalize, uh, committing the egregious sin of being homeless and not having a thriving, healthy life. They ticket homeless people 50 to $150 for sleeping on the parks. In some repeat offense cases, I've seen tickets up to $300, which is ridiculous. They take them on joy rides up, up, up to the other side of town. Sometimes they dump them into other cities, so it's not their problem anymore. And yet we don't see a reduction in crime. We see an increase in crime. The police, despite their bloated budget of $1.1 billion have not been able to tackle crime, take up to 100 seconds to respond in 911. Uh, the 911 call center takes up to two minutes to respond, to pick up, just so you can say what your emergency is. In the most priority priority one cases, the most pressing cases, where there's, let's say, a burglar in your home, they'll take up to 15 to 20 minutes to actually come and arrive. Um, I think we can cut the police budget and actually we should cut the police budget by at least 50%, at least 50%. That's being generous. And put that money towards poverty alleviation programs. So building affordable housing, yeah, sure, let's do that. But that takes time. I say, let's actually buy properties. If there's a tenant who is unable to make rent then the city can take over from the landlord, just buy off the property from that landlord at a fair market rate. And instantly, you've stopped an incidence of a family going homeless. In addition to that, we need to obviously guarantee basic needs, food, water, clothing, um, reproductive health, and other health services which are not covered by OHIP, such as dental care. Those are Extremely important in ensuring that people don't have to sell their souls to a wage slave job, further taking on trauma to their body, to their health, and further entrapping them into a debt wage cycle. And with eliminating poverty, in the sense of providing for everyone's shelter and basic needs. You will have healthier people, you will have less violent people, you will have people who are more willing to engage in society. But everything that we do in terms of helping the poor and being uh, compassionate are half-assed. you give someone $1,000 a month, that's being generous, $733, that's what OW is, Ontario Works. How do you expect them to reach the activation energy, the critical point at which they start becoming self-sustaining and self-reliant? Instead, what we do is that we give them enough money for half their rent and have nothing else for food or anything else. And then they go into debt. They'll go to crime, obviously, to make ends meet, or they'll take on wage slave jobs. And the stresses and the 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 inflammation that builds up in the body from that is going to result in people acting out violently, um, bigotedly, and even just engaging in petty crime or large scale crime. So the police should probably focus on white collar crime more than criminalizing poverty. And we should take that budget, put it to better use because they keep asking for more more money and they have not been able to deliver on their promises. And the the carding? Oh, sorry, carding. uh, Yeah, bad. (laughs) What's the point? I I don't understand. I've never understood the reasoning behind it. What are you going to do once you know someone's name and their identity it's 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 a poor excuse to stop and terrorize people, to intimidate them, to provoke them. and when they're provoked, that gives you that gives the authorities the right to attack a minority um, as some songs go.
0: So thank you so much. James, go ahead.
1: Um, I I agree with uh, a lot what Wally had to say there. Um, I don't know if cutting the police budget by 50% is going to see the immediate change. Um, I I think you'd have to take a very good detailed look line by line and see that if you're going to make cuts, what kind of cuts you're going to make. I'd I'd advocate for um, more training for the police I don't necessarily want to say, I'm going to throw, you know, a thousand more officers onto the streets. You know, maybe there are, whatever we choose to do with any of this stuff, you got to have data. You have to have a robust data analysis and understand what's actually happening. Um, And, you know, I think Toronto does a terrible job collecting data. I don't think, I think the only data Ontario politicians, either at the municipal, municipal or at the provincial level is how will certain policy, it's just public opinion polling. How will certain policies that we do, hey, you know, let's just throw this out here and see if how the public reacts. If we you know, we'll just tease this, see how they react. If they react positively, then let's enact it, regardless of the uh, the legitimacy of whatever it is that, I mean, that, I think that's a huge problem. Um, look crime's a big problem in the city um it's always a uh, uh, it's always a, 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 a uh, yeah it's it's a big problem in the city it's it's got to get uh dealt with um engaging with youth having police engage with youth uh you know as as Wally stated before um uh, it's it's a, a poverty related scheme and if you're policing poverty poverty starts at 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 the youth you know the kid you know, is not properly fed. He's not properly socialized. He develops different uh, habits that are not conducive to uh, becoming a uh, contributing member of society. Um, and that, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I can say about that. It's about finding innovative programs. Yeah. Innovative. Something's got to be done. I don't have exactly what, 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 but what Lee said is a very good and carding, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really a fan of carting. It seems like it just gets a bad rap, and once again, it's it's used to police whoever the you know if the cops having a bad day, and he feels like policing certain individual, then he'll just go after them. Is I don't know how it could work. Um, yeah. So I'm not. I'm, I'm not on board with it.
0: Okay. Thank you. Uh, it seems like both of you agree on this topic, but uh, this is an opportunity to debate and. Since we're talking about crime, if there's anything else on crime that you wanna talk about, now is your chance. So go ahead, either one of you can start.
2: I'll, I'll say that um, increasing crime rates and everything that leads up to crime is a result of policy failure and system failure. Everything that we've been doing has led up to this. And by we, I mean, us represented in government, represented in government. Everything that we've done has resulted in the mess that we're in, has resulted in the hate, the bigotry, the racism, the violence, the mental health distress, or worse, it's actually a policy success and things work exactly as intended. No matter which way you look at it, it's horrifying. So. If it's the former, we cannot keep doing more of the same, expecting a different result.
0: That's the the textbook definition of insanity. uh,
2: (laughs) And um, if it's the latter, what we need is a complete system change. The way I see it is that capitalism is fundamentally rotten to the core whenever we've seen progress in, in, in humanity, it has been through collaborative work as a community, not a system in which it's all about maximizing profits and it's all about taking as much as you can while giving the least possible because that is how you're supposed to operate in capitalism. How can you trust anybody in that kind of system? You can't. If people worked together and if people believed in the work that was being done in, let's say, government, they would be very comfortable giving their tax money because they know it's going towards good use. But when there's no transparency, when there are career politicians who've been there for 20 years just milking the system and finding their voting record and their histories is complex and complicated and not, is not uh, user friendly, you're going to have a lack of trust in the system. If we had more trust and if we had more efficiencies and we get efficiencies by being transparent and by being collaborative, then we would live in a much better society where everyone will play their part we they'll be happy to pay taxes we wouldn't need things like charities we wouldn't need things except international charities we wouldn't need things like food banks and we wouldn't need things like homeless shelters because all of those things are either policy failure or intended policy effect which tries to get as much from the people as possible using the fear of poverty as the stick. Uh, You said a lot of good stuff there. Your point
1: on capitalism, I don't really agree with. Um, We're here debating about the problems that we have uh, with City Hall, Um, but this technology that we're dealing with, the the places that we're in, you know, climate control, everything is a result of capitalism. Are there better systems? Maybe I don't know, um, but that's my opinion on that. You know, we're here having this debate, and we're part of the reason why we're able to have the debate is because of capitalism. It's why I'm wearing a Ralph Lauren shirt. We're talking on multi-thousand-dollar dollar, um, computers and stuff like that. Um, career politicians have to go it's part of the reason why we have the failure Um, debating is part of democracy and it's absolutely disgusting that paula is not here right now Um, because just as wally mentioned about the uh, the ability to interact with the government like if you go on the city hall website if you wanted to find uh, anything to do with a, a voting record or voting history or what they do in committee or any of that stuff it is is a it's a bureaucratic nightmare you can't find any legitimate front-up information that says p- point plain point form notes this is this this is that this is this it's always you've got to go down the rabbit hole and it's bullshit. um so yeah it's um yeah
3: great point um i do like what you said earlier james about um not having great data um and um I've been looking at some crime statistics, but more importantly, like child and, and gangs and such, um, and how different countries have handled it. We did have um, Tavis, and we all know that was disbanded. Um, there won't, you know, be exactly forthcoming with the data, but it didn't show that it helped at all. Um, it seems that when other countries, um, mostly El Salvador and Peru, they had a large um, street violence problem. You know, um, the kind where drugs would take over the militia of the, the, the towns. They were larger and stronger than the police force. The police force was corrupt and, you know, children and young parents would be manipulated into running the drugs for them. You couldn't get rid of these gangs. Um, they decided to crack down, right? They have the iron hand of the law. And it seems like, and this is proliferate in most countries, but when you try and um, criminalize children um, or youth at a younger age, they live up to what you expect them to be. Once you um, expose them to juvenile systems or jail, um, it doesn't help keep them away from it. In fact, they go right back to it or they end up um, in, put into gangs while they're in these juvenile institutions or jail itself. So um, we do have some data that the way that we have been handling things up until now have not worked out well. And I agree that um, in light of the bad data, they have yet to show us a new way of doing things. Why should they ask for more money if they don't have new and fresh ideas? Um, I would like to hear what you guys think about um, you know, getting to the root of if it's the youth in the system who are causing you know, such a splash, why don't we take care of them? Key, like, what are the kids doing after school? Like, are they bored? What do you think about implementing after school programs or even cash infusions to the poor families? Um, what do you think that we could be doing with some of this budget money um, to reduce crime? And do you think that having, yeah, more food banks, or um, do you think that having, um, workshops or you know places to help people get education post-secondary work skills do you think that that would be helpful
1: um yeah after school programs something's got to engage the youth because if they just get to go home and do nothing then that's when the problems persist um you know, a small personal story the school that my children go to um we got new basketball nets but the community, some nimbys in the community, decided that they didn't want basketball nets or kids playing basketball late at night in on the school grounds. So they decided to install basketball nets that you can. the The custodian at the end of the day would go and with a stick, and he would re- remove the rims of the basketball nets. Now, I mean, let's 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 be honest here. Um, these people that are objecting to uh, furniture or basketball nets in a school playground. Where are they getting the ideas? Let's let's be, let's be honest. They they are coming from an old world mentality where they think that basketball is only be playing played by black thugs, which is completely disgusting in and out of itself. And then just associate that with crime. So if they're all they think is that if we have basketball nets near my house. I'm going to have crime near my house. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, the hilarious side point to the whole of this is that the temporary nets with the rims that come out, well, they got sick and tired of taking them out. So they left them in place and they make even more noise than a proper per- permanent uh, rim. So that's just a personal, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, after school programs, you know. My kids go to a school. Uh, the adjoining school has a swimming pool. I, I don't even know when it's open. The, you know these swimming pool. Like every my opinion is that in elementary school everybody should learn how to swim. I think it's a life skill. That's some, something that everybody needs to learn how to swim.
0: Thank you, Wally. Wally uh, if if you have something to say, uh, r- real quick before we move on to the next set. Sure. Um, well, I'm in obvious <laughs>
2: agreement with everything Ebony said. Um, also the point about data i just want to say i think is a bit of a uh, red herring Um, it's it's a preamble to inaction by saying oh we don't have the data to do this we don't have this we don't have that well we do have the data that what we've been doing isn't good enough so let's do something else or maybe the complete opposite of what we've been doing to get us into this mess um now with the point of Engaging youth so that they don't fall into crime. I'm uh, I'm a bit more big picture Um, I believe that Kids who do go uh, kids who go into crime is is not the the big factor. I think um, Most people who do go into crime are people who are just trying to survive Um, And they find that camaraderie in other people who are also trying to survive and that's how gangs are formed um, it it it's because of the cruel reality of the world that we live in, which we can completely decide to forego. We can completely decide to uh, forego deciding that money is some divine unit that uh, has intrinsic value. It doesn't. It, it's printed out thin air. It's, it's fiat. We can agree that. Everyone that actually we can agree that nobody, nobody should be privileged by the circumstances of their birth or disprivileged by it. And that means ensuring dignified housing for everyone, basic needs for everyone, ensuring a safe environment for for kids in their own homes. So that they can go to school, attend school, like any other kid. They're they're not worried about skipping school because they're worried they'll be bullied for being poor, for not wearing the nicest clothes. Or they want to avoid being at home because their parents are alcoholics or drug addicts or violent or stressed out. And schools themselves need to be much (laughs) need to be funded much, much more. We have a value system disorder when we live in a society that CEOs of tobacco companies, of uh, fossil fuel companies are making record profits, are making billions upon billions of dollars. And yet the people who are the most important in our communities, teachers, top out at about $60,000, $70,000 a year as the median. That's not good. It should be, I feel almost the other way around. Maybe not billions of dollars for teachers, but at least at least a handsome salary of 200,000. That's what we need to keep excellent people in the field. And we need to have windfall profit, uh, windfall taxes on profits that the people who are destroying the earth are just raking in and that we're gonna have to pay for later. We have to come together and have a team human approach so it is about ensuring everyone is taken care of everyone has their basic needs met and then you wouldn't have you 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 have to destroy the business case for organized crime for drug peddling for even drug use itself destroy the business model by making not by making it so oppressive and hard that if you get caught you are going to get a 10-year prison sentence and a a $100,000 fine. And therefore you are again, just another slave to the system. But by
0: making the alternative so much easier and smoother. Thank you.
3: Great.
0: So we're gonna move on now to the housing crisis. Ebony, go ahead.
3: Um, Yeah, I was gonna say, I do agree with holding white collar criminals responsible, that that's a big part of it. We concentrate crime on the poor people and meanwhile, big wigs, they pay fines and they continue on doing dirty. Good point there. Um, housing crisis. Um, yeah, what are we gonna do? There are so many unhomed. Um, there's you know a lot of developments being made for condos and such, but I don't see any for affordable housing. Where do you think the city should be drawing this from? Where should we be um, building affordable housing? Are we, do we have enough space? Talk about where we, we can get it.
0: And my question would be, um... Would you guys support rent freeze and or legalization of rooming houses? Uh, let's see, we, Wally, or sorry, James go first and then Wally, you can finish it up.
1: Uh, I don't think anybody has a solution to the affordable housing crisis right now other than just to build more housing. Um, going back to the whole NIMBY thing, nobody wants condo towers built in their neighborhoods. Um, the city is growing at a, at a crazy rate, you're not gonna be to put them in single-family detached homes and that's that's a ridiculous idea. That's just gonna blow up urban sprawl and cause more transit problems. Um, so yeah, you know, I look back on um, the last city council session, there were uh, many of the councils were applauding that they were able to uh, authorize uh, 25,000 units of housing, um, they started to claim that it was just, you know, it's, it's great for the the housing infrastructure and it's gonna really help uh, stabilize home prices. The home prices right now are way too high. There's what's, what's the point of stabilizing right now when the average home price in, in Toronto is over a uh, million dollars. So that's one point. But the thing that disgusted me about city council parading their, you know, on the last meeting, parading their whole idea is that if you actually read the report the number of affordable housing units of that 25,000 was 624. That's What's the point of even parading around that you've created 624 units of affordable housing when the backlog is in the neighborhood of 80,000? That's a drop in the bucket. And the fact that city council is parading around like it's the greatest thing they've ever done, is just, it's, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna say it again, it's disgusting. It's disingenuous and um it's no good uh what was sorry matt
0: what was your question again uh what's your position on rent freezes and or legalization of rooming houses um i'm pretty
1: libertarian when it comes down to what people want to do with their property uh primarily as long as it's not affecting what's what's going on um in the neighborhood if people want uh, rooming houses it, it's it's how do you define rooming house is it 30 people crammed into a one-bedroom apartment and they're all paying 300 bucks and you know is that a rooming house or is a rooming house you know i've got a three-bedroom home i live in the basement and i've got three tenants upstairs they all got a ba- a bedroom. so it all depends on what your definition of a, a, i don't know if there's an actual official definition of rooming house but there's a line between allowing 30 people who are probably don't even know who the landlord is or or, or, you know and there's probably not sufficient fire suppression system and there's probably not adequate plumbing and there's probably not adequate anything they're just crammed in there because that's all they can afford and you know renting out my basement or uh building a a proper safe uh small unit in my backyard or you know we talk about laneway houses like we're so far behind on allowing more my neighbors have more control of what i can do to my property and any of the modifications that i want to make to my property than i do and the planning process is is a monstrosity it goes back to the bureaucratic nightmare that is city city governance you know to to if i wanted to you know put somebody into my uh my bedroom upstairs you know there's a laundry list of things i've got to go through before i can actually get somebody in uh, properly legally uh to get them a house and that it, and it's 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 not acceptable thank you
0: wally go ahead
2: no i take your point on that it's it's very true um when you own a house it's supposed to be like oh your property you can do whatever you want on it but you got to get all these permits and just navigate this bureaucratic nightmare it's uh it was very frustrating uh for my mother i know she wanted to um rent out her, apart- her basement as a basement apartment and the city came down hard and made her like hell had to d- destroy everything and rebuild everything. And at every step they had to do inspections and she had to pay for it. It was a nightmare. Um, but I-, I-, I think using the excuse that, oh, you know, things like this aren't safe from a fire safety perspective Um, is again another sort of a cop-out because this is something that people need to survive in this system. And we're saying, oh, you know, just for your own good, uh, it's better that you sleep on the streets as opposed to actually having this uh, affordable housing option. Um, It it, it was the same excuse that was used in the encampments in, in public parks. They said, oh, you know what, it's a fire hazard. And then they evicted them brutally. <laughs> like it, it just makes zero sense. Uh, you're using this compassionate argument by being utterly, utterly cruel. Um, so I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think the city should facilitate safety. Um, but again, the problem is the circumstances that have led to people finding the need to convert their their homes into rooming houses or to build additional rooms uh, Rooms in their in their in their homes to a be able to survive and you know pay rent and pay pay property property taxes, and b people can't afford a space of their own so they go to these things. Um, I think the city should be providing support in terms of ensuring that um, electrical and sewage and plumbing is all up to standard and is good enough to handle those things uh, like and. Like an overcrowded home, as opposed to further punishing it and criminalizing it, and just criminalizing poverty. So that's my that's my take on the housing, on the sorry the rent uh, rooming homes. Yeah. That's like- the, uh, um Ebony, what was your first question?
3: Um, my question was, where do you think we'd be able to find you know affordable housing? I think we're running low on space. We did talk briefly about uh, zoning. I think that's one thing. Um, yeah, you know, I've heard some candidates make an argument that we should um, rezone um, of different regions for like low buildings you know three or four story units rather than like um high story units maybe just like uh, tenements tri- triplexes etc and i agree that there's too much licensing red tape and uh, if a homeowner wants to build a three or four you know story unit on their land or whatever they should be able to without so much uh you know hesitation uh, most of these land permits building permits take like five to ten years to clear And I don't even know what the crisis is gonna be like there out there like in in 10 years. I mean, I can't even, the housing lists that we have um, are up to 14, I think 17 years um, now for subsidized housing lists. And that's just crazy. Um, I agree, you know, more um, laneway houses, more tiny houses, that should be a thing. I'm actually broadcasting here from Kitchener and we just allowed that this year. And it's exciting to see a lot of these um, becoming more popular. I don't like laneways anyway. And that goes back to crime. I think that um, we need more light in, in um, these um, alleyways. We meet, need CCTV. Um, the way that we were designing these roads in Toronto isn't efficient either. The way that all, no one has driveways in the front and it's all these laneways in the back. And that's a a tenement for crime. Um, going forward, I feel like, you know, neighborhoods should be designed t- to not include great areas to have crime in. But um, I digress. Yeah. Um, my co host is back. I was just stalling for some time. We're going to move on to the next question.
2: But I did want to, uh, I, I wanted yeah, to make comments based on your question because I didn't answer yours at all. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So on that point about finding space to build, uh, sure, yes, you know, medium density buildings. All for it. That's great. Uh, The problem, though, is that there are people who are homeless and at risk of becoming homeless right now. And these things take years to build. My, it's it's insane to me how we have a system, and we have politicians who see that. All right, we have about roughly, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm spitballing. We have. 15,000 homeless people in downtown Toronto. Hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. Look at that. We have 15,000 vacant units in downtown Toronto. Hmm. What do we do? Let's build more affordable housing. Put them in those vacant units. Expropriate it from the landlords if you need to. I don't
0: care. I just want to say real quick. um, We were doing another debate and one of the uh, candidates said that Toronto-wide, there are 26,000 empty, vacant, or abandoned units in the city of Toronto. I don't know, because he didn't clarify whether they're rentals or otherwise, but that's the number that's been thrown out.
3: You watch the documentary called um, it, Do You Have to Be Poor to Be Poor? Or being poor makes you poorer? Um, they'll talk about all these empty condos that are just lining downtown. Um, the, what's that one? The David Tower, kind of like a curve or whatnot. Just go and look at it. You look up and you'll see all these like layers of white sheets, all these uh, unit windows, identical. No, they did not just all go to the same um, bed, bath, and beyond and pick out the same curtains. Those are unoccupied units. And you have foreign investors, you know, um, oil rich people, Saudi Arabians come and they just buy. 10 12 units at a time, and they're like, Oh, it's a good place to buy in Toronto. I'll just buy a bunch of units. Maybe they have relatives move in, but usually they either Airbnb them or they just sit there empty, accumulating value, um, or you know, depreciating whichever way you want to look at an investment. But, um, yeah, we could be putting people in there for sure. They're not going to be happy about that. I do like that idea. Um, before we leave the topic entirely, um, I would like to present the idea of pods. You know, in Japan, they have a lot of um overnight micro hotel you know for
2: capsule hotels
3: yeah just having like a tiny little pod they look like little tubes it's enough room for you to lay down a little space for your belongings um you get like a bathrobe you get slippers you wash your clothes while you're sleeping you wake up you get a little steam a little shower you get a little grooming kit everything goes in the garbage and you get the hell out you know it's not a hangout it's not a shelter but like it's for people who are passing through maybe motel you know staying in you're passing through city overnight you don't want to stay at your friend's house, you're low, late home from the bar. It, you, it's, it's helpful for a lot of people. And um, I feel like if we're going to build anything in a short amount of time, maybe we could be doing that, you know?
1: Yeah, sorry, just one last point uh, with regards to all these vacant units in the city. If, if council actually accepted that and wanted to do something about it, we wouldn't be spending tens of millions of dollars buying the Bond Place Hotel to fill up with homeless people. And uh, you know, I wish she was here so I could say it to her face, but uh, Paula Fletcher, who says she's a champion of uh, uh, housing advocacy, of affordable housing, and for the homelessness, she was actually absent for declaring homelessness a human rights disaster akin to a a municipal emergency, and she was also absent for the vote to uh, do not affirm housing as a human right. So all her friends on city council, Joe Cresty, Christian Wong Tam, Mike Layton, Josh Matlow, Gold per- Gord Perks, The all voted against us and she was just absent. So I can't say, I can't, how are you saying you're, you're the champion of affordable housing, but you're absent when the votes actually take place to engage with people on that subject?
2: Can I throw a punch in too? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> she,
3: presents herself, love-
2: <laughs> she presents herself so progressively that she is such a left champion that she ascribes to progressive values. And then I'm pretty sure she says, yeah, you know, I care so much about the people that I was once a communist. I don't think that's the same Paula Fletcher. This Paula Fletcher had a salary akin to $122,000 per year in 2022 money, dating back to 2003 with unlimited benefits, meaning you get unlimited dental work, you get unlimited massages, unlimited chiropractor and acupuncture whatever have you let me just and let me
0: just stop you there because you're you're uh you're you're actually getting into our next question it's that's, <laughs> part, that's part of our next question so can i say another thing about her vote
2: sure he yeah. voted, voted against against she voted against requiring developers to ensure that if they get city uh city support to build <laughs> condominiums for affordable housing that at least 50 percent of those units should be affordable
0: housing. She voted oh, against uh, it. L- l- let me stop you for a second. Did they say what the definition of affordable housing is? Th- that itself is a
2: weak definition. I think it was something about uh 80 percent of what market rent is but even then.
0: <laughs> J- what about you James? Did you, yeah, uh, I'm
2: not exactly
1: sure. Uh, the vote that Wally's talking about happened uh, January 30th, 2019, and it was do not increase the affordability targets in the Housing Now plan so that half the units are affordable. She said yes on that. And going down the line, Joe Cressy, Kristen Wontam, Mike Layton, uh, Gore, Perks, they all voted against it. it it's, it's ridiculous. She's She's been voting more and more in favor of John Tory, and I wouldn't be surprised if she's attempting to seek his endorsement.
0: So one last qu- quick question before we move on to the last set. Um, these affordable housing uh, units that you're speaking about, Wally, they are for sale, not for rent. Is that correct? Uh, they were for rent. They were for rent. Oh, that's that's... eighty
3: percent rent is you know even feasible as far as um, a measurement for affordability. Um, I remember when I was in school, very little they told us about you know social you know statistics. affordability for rent should be about one third of your entire income. I think they remember putting it like a little pie chart. 30% of your income should go to rent and housing, and then you should be able to split up everything else into like one third or whatever, and you should be able to pocket a third. I remember being able, being told I should be saving a third of my paycheck, and that is a giant joke, right? Yeah, you got to laugh about that now. People be like shaking their couch and their cats down for grocery change. So, I mean, people who are on disability or social assistance putting 100% of their, their check, their income to rent, having to room with three other people that put a hundred percent of their money and then having to figure out between food banks, you know, perhaps crime or, you know, just begging where they're going to get the rest of it is not affordable. So I think we should, yeah, petition for a global definition of um, affordability. And I think it should be something like no no more than 40% of somebody's income, realistically.
1: One, one quick point on your global definition. Nobody looks at Toronto and says, we want to do things like Toronto does. <laughs> Toronto is always, hey, in Norway, they're doing this. In Japan, they do this. In the UK, they do this. It's like, when are we going to have politicians that have like legitimate ideas that are gonna work. Like we're gonna innovate and we're gonna actually create something, we're gonna create the standard for the world, not say, hey, that's what we wanna do over there, that we wanna do that, but we're not actually gonna implement it the way they do it. We're just gonna say it was success over there. We'll bring it over here, we'll fuck it up and then we'll just put it upon our, our people. It's ridiculous, it's ridiculous
3: it's thank true, you. true but yet they vote canada like the number one place to live in the world like they say that till they get here anyway yeah so uh we were talking oh, about uh perks yeah right should i move on matthew yes <laughs> all right you brought us it was a beautiful segue so we're gonna ride that wave right into city hall culture and my question no no no, no you,
0: it's it's cleaning up city hall
3: cleaning up the city hall culture all right hey, um,
0: people people don't like that word culture for some reason
3: Culture, I suppose. Um, well, you know, it's it's a hat you get to wear. Um, do you think that city counselors on top of you know um, their salaries range, I've heard of a hundred thousand, but um, we'll talk about Tracy Cook more. But she actually made three hundred and eight thousand on top of fourteen thousand worth of benefits. You know, in the last uh, to thirteen percent pay raise in two thousand and one. So that's the kind of money. And then they're making these bonuses, benefits. You talked about chiropractor, free therapy. Your TTC pass, you get a free parking pass, you get a um, housing allowance. Some of them ask for, you know, a stipend to be able to make their their payments on their mortgage better. What do you think of that? Is that too much? We're talking about, you know, being greedy, I guess. The gravy train.
0: And then uh, I actually have two questions. Apologize, but we'll, we'll pack them all together. Uh, and the last time James starts, so Wally you'll start this time and James you'll finish us off. Uh, my two questions are, <clears throat> recently we've seen a sitting Toronto City Councillor be criminally charged. In your opinion, should he resign and not be allowed to run or, for re-election? And my second question is, Do uh, there is a public outcry uh, for Tracy Cook, who's the interim city manager, to be fired for her role in the removal of the encampments, how do you respond to this, and why? Go ahead, Wally. Um,
2: let's go with uh, the encampments, because that's the most um, active in mind, and it gets me very emotionally charged. And it's another thing that Paula Fletcher voted against. She voted against having an independent inquiry into the encampment evictions, which was so... How would you... Have? Vote against an investigation just to see what happened. Um, well, anyway, she did that to cover John Tory's ass. And then we had, in in the case of um, the counselor who's facing charges, who's been charged, I I do think he should step aside. Um, it's um. It's it's kind of difficult to say. I don't know the full details about that. Uh, scandal whatever happened but if there is reasonable the thing is i don't have faith in the police so it's really hard to say that okay you know if you get charged by the police hell yeah step down
0: it's, the are also... it, it, it's mainly because of the the charges themselves they're pretty serious and i i i don't understand I don't understand how someone could, even though, yes, we're in Canada and in Canada, you are, you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. And I'm cool with that. However, in the court of public opinion, how do you vote for someone facing those kind of charges? Look what they did to Roberto Alomar before anything. He was just charged, fired from, from uh, his ambassador job, his, his. Um, on the Wall of Excellence, his name was taken down. Uh, I don't know when the last time you've been to the Rogers Center was, but up where they hang the World Series banners, used to be his retired number twelve. It's not there anymore. Mm. And this was and this was all before, it, like he just was charged. Or it, it, the news the news story broke, and because he's a public figure, he got it really bad. Well, this counselor is a public figure because he's a city councilor. And so that was the basis of my question. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go, uh, finish your thought, Wally. Uh,
2: no, no, no problem at all. It's, um, uh, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to have a strong opinion on in, in my opinion. Um, I, I can't really have a very strong opinion on it. I've seen, um, I, I'm generally in favor of, let's say in terms of sexual assault, I'm inclined usually to side with the woman and to believe everything there. But then we had the case with Patrick Brown where it was just not proven and it was actually quite, um, quite hyped up. And because of that, because of that, he was basically ousted on the Progressive Conservative Party as leader. He's the one who built it up into the position that it was in to take over from Kathleen Wynne and because of that story from, uh, I think CTV or global, he had to step down and he couldn't run in the, in the leadership race. Again, just, I think that was the good thing to do. Let's have a leadership race again so we can reinstill confidence, but he wasn't even allowed to do that. It was, it was a coup. And because of that, we had Doug which is so infuriating anyway. Uh, with the oh by the way the same thing happened again with the with the federal conservative party um with them anyway and then for the for the earlier thing that ebony was talking about so i'm not i'm not going to really say much about the city council being charged because what about
0: uh, are you saving uh tracy cook for last or so tracy
2: cook was she was the one the interim
0: city manager was fired because no 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 the there's an outcry to have her fired or or at minimum ask for her resignation she said
3: she accepted responsibility it's what she said she accepted responsibility said if you're going to get mad at anybody direct your ire towards her so like do we should we like
2: (laughs) okay i guess so if that's what she's saying um and if it was a poor decision in terms of the encampment evictions it was the encampment evictions right yes then yeah I mean okay honestly that's something that's very emotionally close to me so I'd say yeah fire her um but I'm generally in favor I'm generally in favor of listening to the advice that city bureaucrats have I unfortunately do hold them in a little bit of esteem um they are professional civil servants I think their responsibility should be to advise fearlessly even if it's politically not feasible and even if it's going to put them in a bad position with uh, with their elected um, bosses but they should faithfully execute so okay. I don't really buy that I don't really buy that any anger or ire should be directed towards her because ultimately it is the elected uh, representatives' responsibility—that is the way things are supposed to work. It, it should be elected representatives who are held responsible, um, and sit and bureaucrats should faithfully execute whatever the elected representatives say. Um, with ter- with regards to city cult, the city hall culture, yeah, it, there's no way they know what the stresses of normal everyday people are like because they have huge salaries. Again upwards of hundred and twenty thousand dollars that is uh, indexed to inflation and it's guaranteed for at least four years and if you're an un- incumbent indefinitely and unlimited benefits it, it's it's very very comfortable you don't know what it's like to walk in other people's shoes even if you see it and you know if you if you know things are bad it's very different from experiencing it and that's why we need term limits and we need to keep Things fresh in City Council. I also I, I believe that a city councilor's the councilor salary should be linked to what the average salary in their ward is. Maybe that will give them an incentive to ensure that there is prosperity in their in their uh, wards. There is just too much comfort in in City Council, and that, and that's not okay.
0: Thank you. I think, I
2: think they're in.
1: Too much comfort. I think municipal counselors are insulated from what actually goes on. Um, their social media is just. They're all they're doing is attending cake cutting and ribbon cutting ceremonies, posing with minorities. Uh, what, what, what are you doing here? You know, can I see a couple policy suggestions? Can I see? Hey, this is what we found out. How come? Um, how come city politicians don't? Uh, don't uh, pronounce how many children they brought out of poverty, how many kids they've taught how to read this week, how many kids know their multiplication tables now. It's, it's, it's just no, Hey, here I am. Cut the cake, take some pictures. I'm out of here. So with regards to the city councilor being charged with uh, whatever sexual assault or misconduct or whatever it is, um, I'm a fan of due process. Uh, You know, I don't, I don't know enough about the specific situation it's it's going to work its way through the court system and you know whatever happens between uh whatever happens there is there it's you know you're proven innocent um yeah so due process you got to see what happens and then i think afterwards you can you can you can you can decide what you want to do afterwards if he's found guilty of whatever then you can decide you no know, i mean he's gonna be tried in the court of public opinion you might He's been an incumbent. He's been there for uh, many years. He might win this election and then get charged and go to jail. And then, you know, he's going to have to resign his seat. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, I'm waiting. I'm a fan of due process. So let's wait and see what happens. What was What was the other questions? Uh,
0: So there was the, the question about uh, Tracy cook and then the counselor perks, not the counselor, but the, the, you know, the stuff besides the salary.
1: Yeah, uh, Tracy cook I don't know enough about that specific um, conversation to uh, to comment on it i'd I'd have to get the details of that as counselor perks they're going to uh, you know they get free everything I get it I think it's 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 whatever I mean it's it sucks. Um, I think, I don't even know how many of them actually use it. I don't think any of them utilize their, their Metro Pass or their Presto cars, whatever they are given that, because they're all probably all driving around and you know their limo bills are through the roof. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, the perks that I see um, that are probably the most uh, troubling are the ones that allow them to continue their uh, virtually unchallenged streaks of incumbency. You know, Paula Fletcher spent the most on communications. Now, what does that mean? It means she's been promoting herself throughout her ward by, you know, basically brought a p- printing press and it's just sending out flyers. So she's been running this campaign. She's been campaigning unofficially for four years. And this is why we have these problems, you know? Um,
0: yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so we'll just get right into the closing statements uh, so we can wrap this up. I wanna make sure this gets on YouTube tonight. Um, Wally, do you want to go first or do you want James to go first? You seem to be, uh, I, I you seem to be in some discomfort. So if you want to go first, you can go ahead and, uh, yeah. and then James, you can finish it off. Yeah. I have a migraine. I'm sorry about that. Hey, listen, it's okay. I, understand, I understand completely. It, it, it oh, and in your closing statement, don't forget to, uh, plug your website and then, uh, say what you want to say. Go ahead. Awesome.
3: Put handle. Awesome.
2: So for closing statements, um, I will say this, that we have a system that clearly doesn't work. We need to, this sounds so cliche. I'm sorry, I didn't prepare for this. We need to return government to the people. We need to make government work for the people again. And I, I mean that very, very sincerely and very, very definitively because we need uh a democratic system in which we have ranked ballots and more importantly because we have such a backlog of issues being ignored and they're being deadlocked we need citizens initiatives we need a process by which if you are to get let's say a hundred signatures on a specific issue it will go to the ballot no questions asked bypass the politicians And we can get people to directly vote on these things, whatever the results are, that is binding. Um, We need to take care of the people who are least enfranchised, because honestly, it is on the backs of people who work slave jobs, who work minimum wage jobs that are running this country, that are running this economy, that keep everything so cheap for us. They've been subsidized. They've been subsidizing us for far too long, and it's time we give back, time to ensure there's parity. We cannot have a system in which we say everything is equal, everyone has the same opportunities, yet they start at vastly different levels and different starting points. We need to have a full reset, we need to have parity, we need to have land back as a very, very important step. We need to decolonize our systems of administration, government, and oppression and, and start from a point of justice if we want to have even a, a, an iota of a valid argument for capitalism as it is. So that's what I present. I'm also running as part of uh, the Municipal Socialist Alliance. You can see their entire platform uh, at socialist, socialistalliance.ca And we have candidates all over Toronto um, and specifically six wards, I believe. My Instagram handle is at VoteWallyTO. My Twitter handle is at VoteWally. My website is VoteWally.ca. And I hope I can uh, be your representative, who's your non-politician's politician, in city council and try and reduce the harm that is enacted, that is implemented, that is um, enacted by the system on the working class, on the poor, on the marginalized, so that we can actually give them the clarity of thought to mobilize, to organize, and have a peaceful, orderly, and just revolution, because
0: that's what I believe we need. Thank you so much for that. Go ahead, James.
1: Yeah, I want to know why city council has done nothing for kids over the last two years. I want to know uh, why tasted the Danforth, despite her message to the community, I want to know why the Danforth didn't happen. Um, thousands of families missed out on an awesome economic opportunity. I want to know, you know, why is there a population decline? Why? Why is she being endorsed by the Toronto and New York Region Labor Board? And how does that benefit uh, the constituents? How does it, how it, how does it benefit her? The person that's running for a school board trustee is also endorsed by the labor board. How does that help kids exactly? I wanna know, I wanna know why after 30 years of municipal politics, we're having these conversations. You're not a champion of anything if you've been at a problem for 30 years, we're in this exact situation that we're in right now.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, your
1: website? It's uh, www.dyson.do. My Twitter and my Instagram handles are also linked there. It's
0: dysonyyz. Awesome. And I will tag both of you when this makes it to YouTube. It'll be tonight. I want to thank you both for coming on and, and, and doing this, uh, this debate. I had fun, I know, speaking for Ebony, I know she had fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much. We wish you nothing but luck on your campaign trail. And, you know, I'm excited to see what happens for the city of Toronto. I'm excited for Ward 14 and we'll be watching. Hey, thanks, thanks a lot, man.
2: Thanks for doing this. It's a, a, it's a donate to us. Guys, don't forget to donate to us because that's how we're gonna get our message out because that's how this big product for democracy works. Whoever spends the most wins. So we need to get our names out there. We need to get our message out there. And we need donations to make that happen and volunteers for both myself and James. Honestly,
0: I guess we're a team.
3: Yeah, anyone who's not a vote for Tory. But that being said, everybody needs to vote, period. Because what is it you say, Matt?
0: The only way to affect change is to be part of it. Guys, just real quickly, voting day is October the 24th. Advanced voting has already started today and it goes to the 14th. Get out and vote. It's very important. This is very, very important. Thank you you guys.
3: Can't bitch later, folks. I think it was only 40% of Torontonians that voted in the last mayoral election. That's less than half the city. Young people need to get up off their butts and vote. Okay. It's we can't just complain anymore. We need to do something. Get angry, get organized, and get to the polls. Hell yeah. Get informed. Watch the rest of our award debates before you make your vote, people.
2: Can I can, um so this is gonna be stitched in to uh to the We're gonna
3: upload this to YouTube.
2: Okay, awesome. Because I think uh we also need to add that. I mean I would add that Still,
0: not- we're we're still on.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're we're live. <laughs> okay, but I'm but just not- gonna
0: I'm just gonna end it by thanking you guys again. Please seriously, yeah. <laughs> thank you for showing up. Paula Fletcher didn't show up. You guys did, and I really, really appreciate it
1: she reply to your to to reply at all? Not a word. No. Um, also.